right, welcome back to the 1-2 Kentucky Blue Podcast. I am your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, my episode is about the good, the bad, and the ugly of collegiate strength and conditioning. I have three guests, Coach Ryan DeBrent, Alicia Carrillo, and Cameron, my best mate, Bird. As you will see as you listen to our conversation, we highlight the ugly quite a bit in this conversation. It is something that after we got done recording didn't sit well with me where we talk about the bad, I think, too much. So there will be a part two, and Coach Ryan DeVrent and I had a conversation offline after we got done recording today, and we started talking about all the good that comes with our profession, and I feel like we need to highlight that more in part two of this episode. But for now, part one of the good, the bad, and the ugly of collegiate strength and conditioning. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for being on the podcast episode today. Uh, I think after I had the conversation with Cam, and we really were just reminiscing the whole time and talked a little bit about our internship program, his his time at UK, we ended it with, you know, what Cam and I really had some good conversations when we were just in the Joe Craft office by ourselves talking about, you know, athletics, the good and the bad, collegiate strength and conditioning, the good and the bad, uh, some of the struggles I've had, some of the struggles he was having. So I thought it'd be good to get you guys on the line, talk through what was uh, a struggle when you were a college strength coach. Um, I think it would be good for us to talk through like how things have changed throughout our career, like the struggles that we had when we were, you know, 22, 23 years old to, you know, what we're dealing with now as, um, you know, 37 year old men that have families uh, still trying to be the best strength coaches we can be. But wanted to let you guys lead the conversation and then we can just go back and forth with our thoughts and opinions. in Korea, I'll, I'll lead it off with you had retweeted something and I forget what the guy's name was, but he was responding to somebody else's tweet, but he was with the Giants, correct? Right. Grant coach with the Giants and he was saying that he basically neglected his, his personal life for many, 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 many years as a strength and conditioning coach was chasing titles and money and accolades um, and enough was enough and he didn't really go into what he was going to do but he definitely said he was leaving the business of strength and conditioning um maybe i'll start with you what were your thoughts when because i believe you commented back like this is spot on or just like good thoughts what were your thoughts when you were reading that yeah um i mean i i think it's just really refreshing to see people being more transparent about what the job actually entails. Um, I've kind of found, you know, in, in the several years that I was in it at the college level, it was more of like a, like a competition of who can wake up the earliest and stay at work the latest and, you know, who hasn't seen their wife in six months and, you know, who forgot that they had three kids. Uh, so it kind of just seemed like, yeah, this competition of who can be like a worst friend or family member almost, but, you know, disguised under the mask that it was the grind and we're all embracing and chasing the grind. Um, so it's just been refreshing to see people be a little bit more transparent about what, what it is that we put in every day and, you know, every week, every month. So when I 
when I read that, I was like, yeah, I mean, it it is easy to get caught up in that path of, you know, especially when you are at a high level, division one um, professional, and you're working with the great athletes who are going to go on to have incredible success. You're surrounded by great coaches, great talent. You're winning. Um, you, you know, you have unlimited resources, it seems like, as far as the newest gear, access to technology, um, and you're just in it. And then you take a step back or something might happen in your life and you realize like, oh, okay, um, maybe this isn't what it's all about. Maybe, maybe I want to be more than just a good strength coach. Maybe I have other interests. Um, you know, maybe I want to start a family. And, and so for like, for me, yeah, it was just enjoying that people are being a little bit more open about the 12, 16 hours work days, you know, six, seven days a week, being on trips constantly, et cetera. I agree. I, I, and I was telling the staff this during our staff meeting is that I started reading all the other comments that, uh, people were throwing out there and none of them were right or wrong, but it was the transparency that I, I didn't realize I was, um, so wrapped up in, um, until you just said that. So it's hearing other people's opinions. If you embrace the grind, that's who you are. As long as you're good with that, you're good with that. But it wasn't until this summer and everything was happening with, um, the, this virus that I think, and I would think B would agree with me that I kind of took a step back and was like, I have never spent this much time at home. Um, being able to spend as much time as I ever wanted with my kids, with Jordan, um, that it kind of made me reevaluate the, the lifestyle that is strength and conditioning in college athletics. D, what are, what's your thoughts with it? Do, do you have the same thought as Creo? Just the transparency is, is refreshing. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's different when you're young, like there's different views. So like it, like you said earlier, Spurlock, like, you know, when you're 22 to 23 years old and now, you know, me being 36, when you're 22, 23 years old, you're, you're looking at it as like, you're, you're just saying yes to everything. Cause you're so energized, you know, and all of a sudden you've got a fur, full workload, you know, from 6 a.m. until 10 o'clock p.m. You know, that was when I was with football. Um, and you're just, you know, willing to grind all the time. But then all of a sudden, you know, life hits you in the face, you get married, you have kids, and um, you got to spend time around them, you know, and, and have a work-life balance. Um, and again, going off of, you know, the pandemic and everything going on, like, you know, I wouldn't have been able to experience my kid learning how to ride a bike um, for the first time. And both of my kids. Uh, but I, I, you know, just off of from the age difference for me, I think that's where that correlates with everything. Um, but yeah. I think there definitely is a time where, yeah, just like Carrillo said, in college athletics, just not strength and conditioning, there is a competition um, where you're trying to become the best that you can be so you can get to a position. Uh, that either is a, you know a better title, more pay, whatever it might be. So when you're young and you have all the energy in the world, put a lot of things on the back burner. Whether that's you know going home for Christmas, whether that's you know missing a family vacation or not going to a, a, a friend's or family's wedding, so that you can gain that slight edge over somebody. Uh, to, and that even might be you know staying on campus and doing uh, workouts with an athlete or teams or 
just being a yes man or woman. And so whenever the sport coach asks you to do something, you're just always saying yes and yes and yes. And you don't put the limits uh, on yourself on the amount of work that you're doing. And I think all of us were guilty of that uh, early in our career. And then as you mature and as you might, you know, get that next position or, uh, you know, go from working with one team to another and you think that's going to be the, the deciding marker on whether you're happy or not, it's, it's not always there. And Cam, I know you, when you first started working with men's basketball, that first year you were with Rob at Joe Craft, you were there literally all the time. I think you might have went home just to sleep, but I would show up for work at five o'clock in the morning, you would be there. I'd be leaving after a, uh, a late volleyball match or a women's basketball game and you were still there. But then as you got into your, your third year with that team, you prioritized your time, you knew when you needed to be at work, you knew when you needed to work, um, when you actually needed to be at work and when you were there, you worked your tail off, but when you didn't have to be there, you weren't there. Kind of talk through yeah. your thought process. Um, I mean, with, um, well, like you guys were saying, like it's all, like the grind and all this stuff that people talk about, like, you know, when I was back in Australia, before I came to uh, America, I mean, I was working anywhere up to a hundred hours a week. But the difference is I was getting paid for every single hour that I worked and good money, which again, I had other commitments outside of work that I just, you just find a way, you just grind through it because you're getting paid. The difference is over here, it's like you expected to go into these weight rooms and work from like 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. from day dot for nothing. And then you think, oh, well, there's going to be a payoff. I'll get a job. Okay, you may get an unpaid internship. You may get a paid internship. You may get a job. But then you're still expected to work 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day, be on call. Um, and when you really think about, you know, how that matches up with pay rates or salaries, you know, it doesn't – it's sort of an interesting thing. So, yeah, like that first year – I mean, the amount of hours that I put in for really no monetary payoff because of how much time I was giving up. I mean, it's a bit silly when you look back at it, but that's what everyone's mindset is because this industry is so competitive. But, you know, so, I mean, yeah, progressively I learned, you know, I mean, me and Alicia lived together our second year. No, our first year, sorry our first year. And um, I mean, she would leave at like 4.30. And then I, I, so I, my, my start time was a bit later, but she would have already gone by the time I woke up. Then, I mean, most nights she was already in bed because of her early wake up before I even got home. So we may have like lived in the, the rooms down, down the hall from each other, but like sometimes we like rarely saw each other and it's you just think like looking back on it now it's like what the hell like when we moved to different apartments all together we saw each other more because we i think we both started to realize we needed better balance in our life and that's something we talked about a lot but i mean it's just you just think that it's necessary and that's what unfortunately this industry has portrayed to everyone that's like you know 
just go until you've got nothing left and then we still probably won't give you that much in return anyway. It's rewarding from the athletes, but it's not, you know, people don't, outside of the strength industry, no one really cares that you work 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. No one really cares that you're supposed to finish at 6 p.m. and they've decided to run practice late and late and late. They know you're waiting over there in the weight room. I mean, I'm not going to get specifics. We all know maybe some of the stuff I'm referring to, but, you know, it's like, hey, I've been here from 5 a.m. You knew I wanted to lift at 5 p.m. Now you've got me lifting at 7 p.m. So I don't get home till 9 p.m. But there's no like, um, trying to think of the word right now, but you don't get paid for that. You don't get additional stuff. You don't get, you don't even get a thank you half the time. So like the grind is all good. And I, I prioritize work above everything else. I'll work and work and work. But I mean, it's hard when it's a hard industry when people outside the industry don't even give you the time of day to say, Hey, we appreciate what you did. So. And when you say outside of the industry, you're not talking about college athletics. You're talking about sport coaches. I'm thought, yeah, directly like, first step outside of the industry you know um that they just yeah yeah. i mean i just wanted to speak off of you like you know you have men's basketball you worked one sport okay and then you have on the spurlock side my side you know creo side when she was Mm -hmm. in athletics of having multiple sports and you would think having multiple sports it'd be more of a grind in those Mm -hmm. long days now, I think what, you know, some of our sport coaches struggle with is understanding that we're not a, a one sport strength coach. You know, we have multiple sports and respecting our time and the amount of time that we put in on a day-to-day basis. Um, but then you look at it and you're like, okay, Cam, you had, a, you had a single sport with men's basketball. And I think it's more of like those sport coaches say, well, he only has one sport. We're just going to use him all day. You know, his time doesn't matter. Um, so I think that's definitely, and you know, a conversation that can go in another place where, you know, is it better to have multiple sports? Is it better to have a single sport? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, just because I've never had a single sport like you have, Cam. Well, I, I mean, think, what do you got, Cam? Sorry, but I mean, just quickly, like men, the men's basketball definitely is is just its own sort of um, beast. You know, it's what you expected, especially if you're at a contender program or you know a, 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 tourna- a tournament team so it doesn't even have to be like a top five team top, you know tournament team like you, the expectation is you know you know i could be you can be told you've got a day off so you plan to do something so for me when i was commuting up to see you know uh katie up in indiana it's like what if i get halfway and it's like you know there's actually something on it's like so but with your sports, I know D like with your three sports, you know, you try to be like, Hey, can we like get some sort of compromise here? Cause I know like two of your sports are sort of like similar training times and always have been. And then you try to get that third one a bit more appropriate for your schedule, you know, cause you do have two kids and you do have a wife and you do have other responsibilities, but like, yeah, again, just other people, admin coach, they don't, I don't know. They just don't, get it and maybe someone has to sort of like come to the party with that and to be like hey listen this is what we do because you know because then yeah it's like and then i i don't know if i mentioned this spell last time but 
So say you work in the morning, do the, the old split shift that every industry in the world like offers. Like you can work a few hours in the morning, come back in the afternoon. But if someone walks in during the middle of the day and coach X isn't there or coach Y isn't available, they're like, oh, well, aren't they working today? You know, there's, it's not like an understanding of like, we work some really, stigma if you're not, if you're yeah, not in the weight a, room. Yeah. There's a stigma that like, oh, well, why isn't he here? Well, but you don't know my story. Like with men's basketball, I would have got home at three in the morning, but you expect me to, to be there at 9am on a Wednesday, even though it's players day off, but it's not my day off. There's just an expe- expectation you'll be there. It's like, well, work 21 days straight. And the same with like, if you have, we go, you know, to deal with classes, we coach really early in the morning, we coach late afternoon. Well, if you can't get all your sports teams in one block in the morning or one block in the afternoon, you're there for over 12 hours. And most of the time during the day, you're doing admin, you're trying to fill the time with admin work, trying to be productive because you're a good worker. But then if you were to happen to be like, you know what, I'm going to go grab lunch with the wife. And that just happened to me when someone walked in, they have like a bad view of you. It's like, you don't understand. It's just a lack of understanding from anyone outside the industry. I think two words that I wrote down is there's a stigma that if you're not at work, you're not working and you're not a hard worker. And then there's a lot of unwritten rules as well. um, Where if, you know, I'm going back to Cam's point that if, you know, you're supposed to have a 5 p.m. lift, the practice runs long and the coach doesn't get them to you until an hour or two hours later, that, that that's just something you just got to put your head down and deal with it. Because if you don't, you're, you're complaining. If you don't, then uh, you, you're, you're not willing to push through the grind. Like I think we all have said that in the short conversation we've had thus far. But kind of going back to the stigma and kind of going back to full picture with this podcast, we're talking about the good and bad and the ugly of strength and conditioning. And this is definitely the ugly when it comes to the stigma of what exactly is hard work and what is dedication and what is embracing the grind. Um, I think we would all agree that that stigma that if you're not on campus, that if you're not working 16 hour days, kind of going back to the competition aspect of it that Carrillo brought up at the beginning that if you're not doing that, you know, uh, 365, 24-7, you're not embracing the grind. And even something that Dee and I talked about um, uh, with our staff a few weeks ago was, you know, even taking a vacation. So if you do take time for yourself with our with our teams where you've got multiple teams, there's never an off season. There's never a time where it should be slow because technically even when it's slow for the sport coaches, that's the time that the student athletes should be with you in the weight room, getting stronger, getting fitter. Uh, So if you do take time for yourself, go on a vacation, there's a stigma that you're not dedicated to the cause, not dedicated to winning championships and getting the student athletes to be the best that they can be. But with that spell, like, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but like, I've never been in it. I've worked so many different things over the course of my life. I've, and I think culturally, Australia versus America, definitely different, but I've never seen an industry, and I'm talking college athletics now, where people are judged so harshly for taking a vacation. Like, shit. I mean, you know, like, they want to go overseas and explore another culture, you know, in, in, most industries, like if you work in the bank, right? You're a teller. 
you take a two-week vacation, what happens? The person to your right and the left, they just divvy up the work. Why can't it be the same? You know, you've got a staff of eight people or whatever it is. You've got a couple of interns or GAs that have been tailing you guys. And I'm not attacking you guys personally. I'm just saying, you know, that normal Olympic room and football rooms, weight rooms have interns and GAs. Well, you brought them on for a reason. Why can't I just take two weeks? Yeah, it's probably not going to be in the middle of the season because we're professional. But pre-season, off-season, I know there's not really any downtime, but why can't you? Why bring those people in? If you that was something we talked week, about, though. That was, a tra- then- that was a transparency that D and I ended up talking about. And it's like, hey, you know what? This is a stigma. I don't like it. You know, and we were honest with each other and saying, you know, when I do take time off that I, I feel bad. And it was good for us to communicate that to each other and everybody else on staff. And then trying to change and control what we can't control is our own culture in the weight room and on our staff. So as we move forward, we're not going to let that be a thing where as long as it's planned, as long as we can cover, because like you were saying, we do have the staff now that if I'm out for a week or two, uh, you know, somebody else on staff can, can cover my groups. Um, those things have to be planned. Obviously we can't expect, you know, somebody that's covering to be in two places at one time. So will D and I be taking vacations at the same time? Probably not, but you know, he's got different sports. So his, his downtime and I'm I'm using air quotes right now is different than mine. So that's one thing that I, I felt so much better about after we had that conversation with everybody on staff and Wood was in on it, BMAC was in on it. Um, being open and honest with each other, having that transparency so we can move forward uh, with planning vacations and doing so without having the the guilt that we've had in the past with those things. We, yeah, I, I wanted to, you know, tell Cam and Carrillo and everybody out there, you know, it's been set in our minds, like work, 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 work. You know, and then I had that feeling like this summer when we had the internship going on um, and my sister-in-law came back from uh, Iraq and I had that feeling like, like, hey, I need to go see her because she came back. You know, I was like, I needed to take a, a few days to go see her with Sarah and the family. But then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm leaving everybody else here with all this work. And we're talking about a person that fought for our country, you know, um, but I had that that feeling that was kind of eating at me. Like, why do I feel this way? I shouldn't feel this way. Like I'm talking about my sister-in-law. I'm talking about somebody that, you know, fought for our country and that's sad, you know? Um, but again, it, it comes back to the work, 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 work mentality of never wanting to leave somebody, you know, left to dry. Um, it just, you know, it, it, it was sad to think about that way this summer. So. I feel like we're in a good spot moving forward though. For sure. For sure. Yes. After we had that conversation, it helped a ton um, as a staff saying, you know what, this is what we're doing. We're not having that feeling anymore. Um, And it, I haven't had that feeling since it's just like, if I'm going to go do something, I'm going to do it with my family. Or if I want to go on a hunting trip, I'm going to go do it. You know, like I know that people are here to cover me, you know, and um, that's a great feeling because it really ate at me this summer. Like that feeling of just like, I'm leaving somebody left to dry here. So what were you going to yeah. say, Rio? Oh, I was just going to add, um, you know, just from a little bit of a different perspective, and uh, Cam could relate a little bit during his time, but as somebody who unmarried, no children, um, sometimes 
I think the guilt like compiled a little bit more because it was like, you know, I, I can't even say, well, guys, I want to be there for my kids or I want to, you know, go home and see my significant other. But that doesn't mean that I was more or less entitled to time away than anybody else. Um, but that was something I personally like struggled with was, okay, well, you know, like the, well, I'll just do it all mentality. I was like, yeah, I want them to spend Christmas with their families, but I'm not going to come go home. So, you know, like I'll, you know, I'll take every team in the weight room, you know, 12 hours a day. And now that I've stepped away and I, you know, at the time it seems okay. Now I've stepped away from it and I'm like, I actually have other hobbies that I didn't know about because <laughs> I never gave myself a chance to explore them. And, you know, so for some people, it's families, for other people, it's traveling, you know, for me, I want to, like, like I said, you know, I'm interested in languages and finance and politics, and I want to spend my time enjoying those things and not just be, so, yeah, it's just a, it's a different perspective, I think. Now that you're in the private sector, Carrillo, have, when you were at Kentucky, and then even when you were at your, your previous uh, employer, and now you're at a private facility in Florida, is there a change? Is there, do you still have the long hours? Are you able to control that a little bit more? What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, it's always going to be kind of like Cam talked about the split shift because that's just, you know, the tough schedules are um, in the private sector, whether I'm working with high school, middle school athletes, or I'm working with, you know, general population clients, most people can either train in the morning or the afternoon evening. Um, so you do have that kind of space in the middle of the day to fill uh, but, you know, now I know, like, I don't, yeah, I was actually just talking to my boss before this podcast and he's like, yeah, if you ever just want to go to the beach in between clients or whatever, go home, like, just go to the beach, go check it out, go explore. Um, and, you know, he, first thing he said to me was, I'm not a micromanager. And I was like, yeah, I can tell it's great. So you do have a little bit more freedom to, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business and you want to make money. You want to bring in the revenue. So if a client is saying, hey, I can only train at this time, then you have that decision to make of, you know, is that worth the extra, is that worth, you know, bringing in that money for the business um, if it's not necessarily convenient? And it's like anything else. You got to put in a little bit more work in the beginning um, until you get like your solid base built up, um, your classes that you're offering your clients that you're working with and then you can be a little bit more particular but yeah I do feel like I'm much more in charge of my time um and at the end of the day I'm the one who's able to be like you know I'm not coming in on Saturdays like that's that's my day that I'm doing you know so rather than well we have this coming up next week like it's SECs it's NCAAs like we gotta like fix everything right now so definitely a difference. I think that's a big part of it is like you were saying, Creo, you have the ability to say yes or no. And I think that is something, especially when you're younger in your career as a college strength coach, you're not able to say no sometimes, whether that's part of the stigma of you just wanting to be a part of everything and contribute or that comes down to rank where you don't feel like you, you know, as a intern or a GA strength coach, you're able to tell a head sport coach, no, that's not what, uh, that, that I'm not willing to do that. But I do think, you know, as much as the stigma and there's all the unwritten rules of college strength conditioning are an ugly part of this profession, the flexibility that we have sometimes with our schedule, I love. 
So I was telling my staff during staff meeting that on Fridays, I got a group 7.30 in the morning to 8.30 in the morning. It's one hour and then I got nothing else. So I'm going to try to get everything I need to get done from an administrative standpoint, get my number sheets printed out, make sure I'm ready to go for the upcoming week and take the rest of Friday off. So wake up early, do what I need to do with that team and then take the rest of Friday off because because I, I can as opposed to some people and Cam, this might apply to you now where it's nine to five where you're expected to work from this time to this time no matter what and i know you have that flexibility but you know i think about uh my wife jordan where if it was a, a normal school year she has to be at this school from this time to this time if she leaves two minutes early she has to take some sort of personal time from and coordinate that with the hr department where if I just get what I get done, uh, get done what I need to get done. I'm able to use my time however I want it. Just like you were saying, Creo, where if you want to go to the beach, you can go to the beach. I do really like that about um, uh, about uh, athletics and specifically strength and conditioning. Well, I'll just jump in real quick and say that I think that's something that at Kentucky, you guys did a really good job of. Um, and even to the point, you know, I had come from previous places where it was more like you have to be here from you know x a.m to x p.m and it doesn't matter if there's nothing going on like find something to do you know like earn your place go clean go do this go do whatever uh so being at kentucky i really appreciated that i did feel like and it, you know it takes a while just to get comfortable yourself doing it but i felt like oh yeah i don't have anything to do for the next eight hours I'll go home, I'll go do this, I'll do, you know, whatever and come back. And I didn't ever feel like it was a problem. I don't think that's the case across the board in strength and conditioning. Um, but I did appreciate that being there. I think that's a good thing to mention. Everything that we talk about, you know, it was different between, you know, how men's basketball strength and conditioning was run was even different than women's basketball strength and conditioning at Kentucky, which is different than another weight room, Joe Craft weight room. So whatever we're talking about isn't going to be consistent amongst the entire profession of college strength coaches. The way they do things at Louisville is probably completely different than the way we do things um, at Kentucky, which is going to be different than the way they do it at Clemson. So um, that, that's a good point to make, Creo. Cam, what are your two cents with uh, the flexibility of schedule now that you're working in the restaurant business? I mean, I've got a unique situation in the restaurant business, but you're um, the boss. You're the boss man. Huh. Yeah, something like that. But uh, I mean, I mean, even so, I mean, I can pick and choose my hours within, like, but still, like, I'm a worker you still feel guilt. If you go home before a certain time, if you leave the house too late, you know? I mean, before all this chaos started, I was definitely a lot more like I had to do whatever to whatever. Now it's a bit more relaxed, like if things just aren't going on or in the morning, like, you know, trying to look after the baby, for just a little bit extra time, whatever, play with her or just just let Katie do whatever. But um, I mean, <clears throat> when I work in this industry and you compare it to the other industry, it is right. Like it's, yeah, like Alicia was saying, it's gonna be different place to place. Some places expect you to be there all the time, like, like on, uh, at the ready to do something. 
like don't give you any flexibility but as well you know even if you're in a place like like i got told specifically to go home and i wouldn't go home like i got told to leave middle of the day or i got told to come in late or i got told to not hang around after practice i got told all these things by rob i didn't listen to him for a long time because you just feel like uh I know that you're my boss and you're saying that, but maybe, you know, I still need to be here. I need to be at everything. I need, you know, you just, you need to develop that just comfortability to be able to do it. I mean, for me, my escape was I would just go to, to Nutter, you know, but in some way rooms, maybe I wouldn't because, you know, again, I mean, what set us apart, the Kentucky part, in my opinion, was the people, you know, you could, I could get like, you know, this, I wouldn't go over to the other weight room on campus. I'm going over there, you know. There's too many people, like, they just focus on themselves and, aren't, you know, whatever. But you get good people who can switch off from the job. That's, I think that's a big thing as well in this industry. It's like you get some people that just cannot turn it off. Like, you got, I said to Alicia the other day when we were talking about some stuff, like, you've got to be human first. Like, can't just be like thinking cleans all day. Like, have a joke. Like, you know, that's what the, a big issue is. It's some, it, it's like a split thing, and you get mixed weight rooms of people that you get flexible weight rooms like like you guys have, where we can have a joke and a laugh and talk like movies or who knows what what other dribble came out of my mouth in that weight room, but. You got or on our group like, text. That was that was always yeah. a fun, fun well, to see what you know, Cam put in the group I, text each day. I like to put my thoughts out into the world, but some weight rooms you would just have to sit there quietly, and if you aren't talking strength and conditioning principles or whatever, you know. So it's really mixed. It, it really depends where you end up, and sometimes when you're going for a job, you think it's a good fit from a team point of view or strength and conditioning point of view. And then you realize, oh, okay, these people take life too seriously or they joke too much. Whatever is your, your own personal um, situation. I mean, that's a big issue as well in terms of scheduling. Some might want to get out of there because they can't handle being around people that they have no similarities with. Or they might, like me, like whether it was with you guys or some of the managers, I was just, I was just hanging out. I mean, when I didn't, when you know the wife wasn't living with me at the time i mean may as well just hang around with people and go home so i mean people it all comes down to people in my opinion i think that's one of the biggest things in strength and conditioning you can be you can get good people you can get bad people i mean you know i think so. that's one thing to think about with college athletics in when i was younger in this profession i had the thought in my head and i remember when it switched is when I, and I think it was like the compliance department where I thought strength and conditioning was the only group that was grinding it out day in and day out. So I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. And then I ended up talking with one of our compliance people and she was telling me about her day. I was like, oh man, that's way worse than mine. Um, but it is the in athletics, 
it is, there's a lot of people that are working a ton of hours and you are able to hang out with, whether it's an assistant coach or a manager or athletic trainer or somebody in the business office or ticketing, ticketing office where everybody's there all the time. So you always have people around you. Um, the next thing that I wrote down that kind of leads into that with the people is you get egos in athletics. And I think I've been lucky that since I've been at Kentucky, I haven't had too many big egos to deal with, whether that was, you know, Steph Tracy Simmons was the boss that hired me, the sport coaches that I've worked with, egos have kind of been put off to the side. Um, the, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that kind of differing from mine. What are you, what are you? The, the only thing that I would add is when I took my first full-time job and I left here for six months to go to Oak Athletic Development, you know, I didn't have any egos like with the staff that I worked with with football here. But then when I went there, um, I had two different bosses that I had to work with. And there was a ton of egos just kind of in that private sector of like, I should be higher than this. I should be going here, you know, and they felt like they were better than a lot of people. And that was something that just turned me off. I didn't like it. And then when I got hired back, I haven't had any bad experience. Just, I think because, you know, starting from the higher up, starting with Mitch and going all the way down through our administration and sport coaches and, and, you know, support staffs and, and the directors of those staffs make really good hires. And I think that's where our university is a little bit special um, when it comes to the type of people that we're bringing in here. Um, but I, I haven't had any bad situations at all, except for like when I left, you know, Kentucky to, um, you know, to go to Oak Athletic Development and work there for six months. No egos in men's basketball, right, Cam? I mean, only mine. <laughs> the biggest I mean, of them. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say when I, I, when I was interning with you guys, I, I don't really, I don't believe I have an ego but I definitely might play up that I have an ego. I mean, I think I was misinterpreted by a few interns and other staff members when they first met me because I just don't take myself too seriously. I, I mean, I, there's parts of my life I take too seriously that I probably shouldn't take too seriously. But I think that's the visual side, Cam. Like people saw you visually and, and they saw an ego like from the external side of things. But when it comes yeah. to the internal side of things, like did you actually sit down with that person and have a conversation to find out who they really are as a person, you know? And then you sit down with yourself and you're like, damn, he's a genuine, humble person, you know? That externally I mean, shows ego. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I just like to joke around and stuff. I mean, like, and my thing was, if you're in a weight room and you're lifting, and when, it, when you come to like actually lifting, competing, when we do, challenges or um competitions and stuff like i mean i grew up in a culture that's all about taking the piss out of each other and talking smack and whatever but some people you know some people get easily um, offended or just put off by like so i was just joking about like i was like guys aren't we all like into sport and fitness isn't the whole point of sport and fitness to try and win like but you know i think the thing is how i was jokingly arrogant all with an ego and it was just a joke because i'd take the piss out of myself first like there's people who are actually like what people probably interpreted me to be and they're hard to deal with in this industry where it's just like dude like okay we get it you can 
lift more than me. You can, you're in a better paid position than me. You're, you don't have to, you know, there's, in again, we've been lucky, but there's some places where it's just like, dude, you need to, you need to chill out, man. It's like, okay, cool. You can squat a thousand pounds and you're the head strength coach and you get paid unbelievable amount of money. It's like, but you have no personality. You have no personability. So I think that goes into it where ego is just like personality. Everybody's got a personality. Everybody's got an ego, but is it a one that people want to be around? Is it lifting people up or is it making you look like, like a jerk? What were you, what were you going to say? I was just going to say like, yeah, I mean, I I think like it goes back to that competition point again. Um, And like Dee was saying and Cam was saying, and it doesn't really matter if you're in the private sector, collegiate, division one, two, three, NAIA, high school, middle school, like wherever you are, like there, there's going to be egos across the board. Um, I think we were lucky or I was lucky at Kentucky that I didn't really ever feel that way with our staff um, of like, I know best, this is the way, or I'm the best because I'm the women's basketball strength coach or I'm Kentucky's baseball strength coach. So like what I say is gold. Um, but you see it like in, you know, division one, it's like there are coaches probably that look down on people in high school or private sector, like, oh, they couldn't hack it at division one. That's why they're doing it. Um, or coaches in the private sector who are like, I'm good enough. I'm better. Like they just didn't give me a shot. But at the end of the day, it goes down to the individual and their personality and what choices they decided to make. I would sit here and say that both Cam and I could still be division one strength and conditioning coaches if we, you know, chose to continue down that path. Um, but it just, you know, that wasn't the, wasn't the right move. I think there's a lot of really average coaches that can hide behind great athletes. And there's a lot of great coaches that can turn average athletes into great athletes. Um, and that's at any level really. So, you know, you just kind of have to, get to know the person and see, see who they are. I like what you just said. There's a lot of average coaches that can, you know, work with great athletes just because they're, that's the opportunity. And then you also have coaches, strength coaches that just get on the coattails of very successful sport coaches. And then they're able to advance their career that way. Uh, I think that would go into the category of probably the not so good, the bad of collegiate strength and conditioning. (laughs) But you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's ego is your. I was just gonna say, like some of the, you know, now that I've kind of had more free time to look at other coaches, and not just in collegiate. I had this conversation with my friend Mike the other day. I was like, I think some of the best coaches are not in collegiate or professional strength and conditioning. Some of them are private sector. Some of them are high school, um, and they just chose a different path. So there's a lot of really smart people out there that have a lot to offer, um, and you know, you just may have never heard of them before. So are you yeah, talking I mean, to think Mike Tucker? Um, yes. Are you doing sprint sprint temp? Yeah, sprint timber. I am doing sprint timber. Are you? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Cam, you doing sprint timber? I got timber? my t-shirt. Uh, uh yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, it'll help get rid of that dad bod, Cam. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm I'll still come down there today and beat all y'all. <laughs> Admittedly, I've been struggling with the running lately. Macadio is just, you know. I thought this mask was going to be like, well, like altitude training, but you know, just you know, hasn't hasn't come to fruition. But um, what I was going to say quickly was, I mean, 
networking in this industry is one of the biggest things. You've got to know people. But sometimes that, you know, it, you know, it's about who, what is it? It's not about what you know, who you know. And sometimes that goes wrong. It, and a lot of the times, like in my opinion, the best young strength coach in the industry is coaching at a small school down in, I don't know, north or south, one of the Carolinas. And I've, I've, I've praised this guy, AJ Kerr, my, like since I met him at Ball State. And he had some opportunities, but, you know, someone like that would take any program. I'm talking the top of the, like Clemson football, it doesn't matter. He would take the athletes to another level. I strongly believe that, but, you know, doesn't have enough connections or whatever. Again, you know, and an unfortunate side of this is, you know, former athletes and I'm not knocking them, knocking them because yeah, maybe they put in just as much academic work as, as I have, you know, and that's fine. But there's a lot of guys that just, and football is the main sport. You see this, there's a lot of former athletes that like, well, you know what? I trained it for four years. I was doing some, um, I'm trying to say this without bad language, but doing some general studies, course for four years with a, the most basic master's degree so I could get an extra year of eligibility or whatever it was but you know what I trained like an athlete for four five years so I can do this job then they get the job and it's not knocking them there could be some good guys out there you know but do they like there's people that okay so they were an athlete okay I'm not technically an athlete by, you know, the, the American college sort of perception, except I, I did, you know, six years of, of tertiary studies to like figure out the whole thing, did all the experience, work experience and stuff. So again, it's like, you know, it just, it's a hard, because someone like you work hard academically, do all the right things, just be free labor for so many different programs. And someone graduates and doesn't have a backup plan and because they lift a little bit, you know, it's just, that's just one of the pitfalls of if you're getting football for sure, you know, they so just get that, a, an, that goes an into easy the, entry. The bad where like this profession, you don't need, it's, there's no license that goes with it. Like athletic training, yeah. you have, you know, a governing body that controls everybody that goes into that profession. You know, with the NCAA, it's only been a handful of years, definitely less than 10 years that they've said that you actually need a, a certification uh, to be a college strength coach. And then even with that, the university decides what is acceptable and what's not. It might be the CSCS, it might be the SCCC, uh, it might be the uh, strength conditioning certification, certification you can get through USA track and field. So I think that going to Cam's point, that's something where I feel like we need to get better as a profession. But if we, if we change topics to like, I mean, we've highlighted a lot of the bad stuff. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Like I miss it. I miss it every day. You know, I'm, it's not that I don't like what I'm doing, whatever, but you know, you get to come in, you get to like help people get better. You know, you take someone who can't even squat, but then they can squat a hundred pounds and they can, you know, ask the grass squat 300 plus pounds. You got like that. That's rewarding. When you help someone do anything, like, whether you teach them how to do math or you teach them how to squat or whatever, I mean, that's rewarding. And then, I mean, you know, we like to work out, 
we do technically get paid to work out at times. I mean, there's upside to that. You know, now I've got to work my eight-hour day and I've either got up at 4 a.m. or I work out at the end of the day, you know. I can't just stop an hour into, you know, for an hour here and just pull out some weights, you know. But, so you know, there's, you know, and just getting around the team vibe. I mean, so there are like plenty of good things that I miss all the time. But overall, we're just, a, 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 you know, as a career, long-term career, you have to be a director, an assistant director, working in football or working in men's basketball for it to really be a, I don't know. I don't know the words right now, but, you know, just... If you're just sustainable. low level, yes, sustainable. Because if you're just a basic level, uh, entry level strength coach, you're going to be expected to work 12 hours a day for a pay that does not recognize that. You're not going to take time off. You're not going to. So, I mean, I, I miss the career. I just wish the career had major changes. I mean, I, I think money in college athletics is directed to the wrong people. No one influences the team, in my opinion, more than strength coaches and athletic trainers, and they're some of the lowest paid on a on a college athletic budget. How do you figure that? They're at everything. Co you know, sport coaches aren't at weight practice at weights. Sport coaches aren't in the training room. Like you see, some of our athletic trainers, like talk about me working some crazy hours. That first year that I I was like I would walk across the hall at 9 p.m. and Katie Poole would be in there getting one of her athletes um, doing like her fourth session on the athlete a day for that day just to help help her recover in twice the time because the sports coach needed her back on the court for the like and it just doesn't match does it just does I mean that and that ultimately was why I walked away because it's like, why would I continue to get just not? And again, it's not all financial. It's like someone coming down and saying, hey, thanks. Thanks for taking my gangly 18-year-old kid and allowing them to develop a body and athleticism that's going to earn them millions of dollars. And this could be applied to baseball. Some of the highest paid guys on... Kentucky's campus don't come from basketball. Most of them don't come from football. Come from baseball. But I mean, now I know that a lot of those guys are very, very um, respectful to D. But I mean, it's hard when well, it, it's a, you got to be committed to the industry, but you got to understand like the pitfalls of it. Because I do miss it a lot, but it's not sustainable. You know, no one's giving you a share of their you know three hundred million dollar deal. That's this reality. So I think to kind of put a ribbon on all this, no place is exactly the same. So we're no talking place. about we're talking about our experiences, but things that make it better is that you know one thing that Cam just said was if gratitude is shown, that's part of the equation. It's not the only part. Just like finance, the the finance of it all isn't the only part. But if you thank you goes a long way. If you feel like you're valued, um, and you are respected your your time is taken into consideration if 
you have a culture where the strength coaches that you work with, the sport coaches you work with, the administration are all worried about more about the people than just wins or losses. That goes a long way. It, and no place is perfect, but I would say that if you are a young strength coach and you are looking for, you know, the next step in your career, it can't just always be about, okay, I got this job offer. It's going to be a full-time spot. I'll have health insurance. I just got to go with it. If you're really worried about the longevity of everything, you have to look at those pieces, the financial piece, the, you know, is this going to be, uh, am I going to be well-respected? Am I going to feel like I'm, um, um, what am I trying to say? That people are going to say thankful and that uh, my work is going to be valued. Um, and, and the people that I work with, are they going to have my back so I don't have to feel bad about going to see a family member, just like Dee was saying, that he went to go see his, his sister-in-law after she got back from fighting overseas, that he felt bad for, you know, taking four days off. Is, is that going to be the culture you're placing yourself in? Or is, you know, that work-life balance valued as well? Um, I, I think we could, yeah, I, I I'm going to listen to this podcast after Strobitz puts it up and I'm going to make some notes and then I'll probably get with you guys and we'll probably hop back on here and talk about a few more things, but I appreciate you guys for being on. Can this I just episode. say something real quick? Scott Cam. Um, I mean, we definitely need to get back on and just talk more positives because we did, you know, you tend to lean towards, you know, with me and Alicia, especially because we both sort of stepped away from the industry. So it is sort of like, Hey, what are the, you guys were sort of, figuring out what are the reasons why we stepped away. But I'll just bring something back. I sent an article when I was still at Kentucky into the group message or whatever, if I was still in it, I don't know. But it was, and I thought it was not perfect, but it was like a lot of things I was feeling at the time because I was frustrated. And it was this article from, I can't remember who. Anyway, it pointed out all like just, you know, coaches don't appreciate you. You work too many hours. So some of the things we've touched on today, whatever. And I remember I put it in there. No one really said anything. I, was, I, I mean, I, I'll write anything. I don't care if people respond. But I asked Spurlock about it later. And something I really like, like, I already respected the man. But something what Spurlock did was like, I, I don't like things that all they do is just say the bad and don't have at least an attempt at the resolution, like stop just pointing out the bad without doing something about it. And I think that's what's good about you, Spurlock, especially in, when in your you know role as leading the, the strength and conditioning there, is that like there's a lot of bad things about the industry, but you make the best of it. And then we, you try to challenge people to like get better at things. You're so much more open than so many people. Like so many people like fix mind, like this is how it is. You're a lot more open about things. And I think more people have to be like that because we do, I mean, like I said, when I sent that article, I was so frustrated at so many things. So I thought it was spot on. And then you sort of opened my eyes to like, well, yeah, you can complain and complain and complain and you can have so many issues with it. We'll either do something about it or just, you know, yeah, stop worrying about it. So, I mean, I just wanted to point that out and say, I thought that was really good from you. And that's sort of like your, that's your sort of mentality with these sort of things. And that makes a difference in a weight room why someone should, again, I'm going to push it forward again. If you want to do an internship, I would recommend Kentucky like I do to everyone. Every time I get the opportunity to say it, because 
you are very open to things like you're not stuck in your ways you have like the things you like to do and how you like to do things but at the same time if something can be done better or there's an awareness factor of something whether it's a sport related thing or just someone got a personal issue they want to talk about very receptive not not a lot of people are like that and more people need to be like that so i just wanted to just say that i was thinking about it all week back to that conversation and that was uh just something important that that you told me i remember that conversation i remember reading that article and even as i got done reading the article i just remember like oh i feel so drained now because i forget who wrote it i know he was an older individual that had been in the business for a long time but kind of going to uh the fact that we've been pointing out that was his situation and not saying that that's not true what he was talking about but that was his own experiences in college strength and conditioning which was much different than mine which is much different than these which is much different than you know, creos as well so uh, i i remember reading that article and just feeling deflated just because he focused so much in on the so much on the negative as opposed to and i think the message i was trying to convey to you was probably a lot of this could have been uh, avoided if he would have done this, if he would have had this conversation with the sport coach, if he would have started developing a relationship with his administrators. Um, that might be something I go and try to find that article again, and maybe we can touch back on that uh, when we have episode part two of the good, bad, and ugly of college strength and conditioning. We also, listen, we're getting too serious here. We aren't serious people, all right? We need to throw in some stories, all right? Um, oh, we, you don't want to hear it? Okay, no, no problem. We'll get to stories next time, Cam. We'll get to it next time. I appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for joining us on this episode.